All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing and finalizing our teaching this morning on practicing his presence. This is actually part seven. I didn't intend to go this far, uh, but I just have a lot to cover. And so with that said, uh, you know, just so you know, all of our, our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. So with all that said, let's go ahead and jump right on into our message this morning. We've been talking about practicing his presence. And one of the key verses that we've been using is from Romans 1.21, which began, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their heart was darkened. We talked about how this is four steps to stay full of God, but it can also be four steps of Getting our heart darkened. And it starts with us not glorifying God as God, not being thankful, which leads to vain imaginations in our heart being darkened. So we've been talking about, again, about practicing His presence. And I can't conclude this message without talking about the Holy Spirit. And so that's why we keep adding, adding lessons onto this. Again, I need to spend at least one hour of talking about the Holy Spirit. This is not going to be an exhaustive study on the Holy Spirit, or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And yes, we do teach the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We teach, teach that. I have a lot more detail on our website on that. And I probably need to teach that again soon in more detail. Excuse <coughs> me. Now we're talking about practicing this presence. And let me prelude some of this by sharing some things with you. First of all, you know, in the Old Testament, excuse me, I always love reading the Exodus and the journey from uh, Egypt to the Promised Land in this regard that, excuse <coughs> me, for example, in Exodus chapter 13, Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, it says, And the Lord went before them day by day in a pillar of cloud and to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light as if to go by day and night. <coughs> I always learn, excuse me, this manifested presence of God's presence as they journeyed in the wilderness with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. This was a, a, a manifestation, a physical manifestation of God's presence. Okay. And it just, that's always marveled to me. That's always, I love seeing the illustrated version of God's presence being their guide, being their leader, being their helper. Um, not just their protector, but also their guide. And we need guidance. We need guidance in these last days. We need guidance in our lives, which way to go. <coughs> we need to be led by day, and we need to be led by night. And we can't do that without His presence. Okay? And so, um, with, you know, with that in mind, Jesus also commissioned us, and I can give him any references on this, but in Mark 16, 15, he says, And Jesus said to them, Go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Our commission in the last days, our commission in the New Testament, 
our commission in the church age is to go preach the gospel of Christ to every creature. Okay? And we can't do that without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, after the cross, after Jesus was crucified, it says that they all forsook him and fled. That was after the cross, or during during the process of the cross, excuse me, because the cross, the cross hadn't left yet, he'd been arrested. They all forsook him and fled. But these same men who were shaking in their boots, were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, so, and a few days later, and they, they started what we call the church, and turned, turned the church, the world upside down for Christ. Jesus is also in Acts chapter 1, in the same context, he's about ready to be ascended up to heaven, after the cross, after the resurrection, and he told them to wait for the promise of the Father. Because he said, they're being, being assembled together with them, command them not to depart from Jerusalem, excuse me, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Jesus spent a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit, especially before the cross, in John 14, 13, and 16. <coughs> excuse me, and here in Acts chapter 1, just before he goes to be with the Father, after, after the, the finished work of the cross, after the resurrection of the cross, and he's about to complete that finished work by going and ascending to heaven. Because the finished work of the cross is the birth, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. We don't talk a lot about the ascension of Jesus. That is also essential as part of the finished work of the cross. Okay? And he tells them, don't, don't start your ministry. Don't go doing your own thing here. But wait for the promise Who's the promise of the Holy Spirit of the Father before you go turn the world upside down? Because once you do, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in all the world. Okay? And yes, there's the significance of Jerusalem and all that, but that's not a scope of my message right now. Okay? We can't, if Jesus couldn't start his ministry, and I, I could still develop that a lot more, at the baptism of Jesus. He was not only baptized, but he was also filled with the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me, Jesus did not start his ministry without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You and I cannot minister effectively in these last days without the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me, just trying to get that tickle on my throat and rebuke it. Amen, I will preach. Okay, and so, in other words, but Jesus also said in John 16, again in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus was preaching about the Holy Spirit, and he said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, he's talking about the cross, he's talking about the ascension, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, that is more beneficial for us to have the Holy Spirit than to have Jesus here physically. Jesus was the Son of God, but he was also the Son of Man. And we understand in reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, his physical ministry for three and a half years after he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, after he was baptized in water and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus 
had a three and a half year ministry of leading to the cross. And then we have the finished work of the cross, which was the main purpose of why he came. He resurrected from the dead, and he ascended on high, and he gave us the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, it is more, it is more to your advantage, it is expedient for you, that I go away. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit won't come. But when I do go, I will send you the Holy Spirit. And he put down a connection where he said in Acts 1-4, don't go anywhere until you receive this promise, until you receive the Helper. Okay? And so, you know, if Jesus says it's more to our advantage to have the Holy Spirit, then we need to practice his presence and cooperate and have a relationship not only with God the Father and not only with Jesus, Jesus our Savior, but also our Helper, our friend, our guide, the Holy Spirit. We need to practice His presence too. Okay, am I making sense? Let me preface it another way. And let's go back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. <coughs> they said, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I can, I, I, it's worth reading, it's worth meditating on. Okay? But when, in the creation, when God created the heavens and the earth, the Holy Spirit was involved. The whole Trinity was involved. God, <coughs> I have it in my notes here, the Father conceived it, Jesus spoke it, and the, the Holy Spirit had the power to perform it. Okay? And when God was creating the heavens and the earth, the Holy Spirit's role was that he was hovering over the face of the earth. He was like a, a hen over eggs, brooding over eggs, so they would hatch. Okay? I love that analogy. Because as the Holy Spirit is hovering over the earth, hovering is also kind of like your mouse on the computer is hovering over an uh, image or whatever it might be, so you can click the button, or whatever the case might be, or a drop-down menu. As the Holy Spirit was hovering over he was like a a hen over the egg, ready to perform whatever God spoke. And the very first instance of that was in verse 3, and then God said, let there be light, and the Holy Spirit who was hovering over the formless earth, boom, there was light. There wasn't even the sun yet. There wasn't even stars. There wasn't even a source of that light. Other than God said, let there be light, and the, the Holy Spirit hovering over there, boom, there's light. And I can keep going that down the rest of the verses. As the God said, boom, the Holy Spirit performed with power. This is awesome. I mean, I could really spend all day just on this for thought right here. Because God said, by his stripes you are healed. And the Holy Spirit's hovering over your body. And boom, you can receive it. If you will believe the word of God. For your finances, for your health, for whatever you're praying God for, the Holy Spirit is hovering over you. If it needs to be a creative miracle, he's, ho he's still hovering. He's still here. He's still brooding to manifest the Word of God. Okay? And there were, but one thing I'm trying to paint a picture right now is the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. The whole Trinity was involved. Okay? And he moved upon the face of the earth. He, that word moved 
are hovering in the Greek, it means to brood. In the Hebrew, not Greek, excuse me. He was ready to bring forth whatever God said. The Holy Spirit was ready. The Holy Spirit always been ready. Okay? And so, everything God did in his creation was accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was involved. So was Jesus. Jesus spoke the word. He's the, he's the, he's the word of God. The spoken word and the written word. God conceived it. The Holy Spirit, Jesus spoke it, and the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit performed it. The Holy Spirit was also involved in the birth of Jesus, a new creation, of a new seed. He took the spoken word of God, which was Jesus, and he brooded over the womb of Mary. And when she said those awesome words, let it be according to your word, just like he said, let there be light. And according to your word, he mentioned, let it be, let there be light, let there be according to your word, the Holy Spirit conceived in, G in, in Mary's womb. And we have Emmanuel, God with us, the Savior of the world. Christ Jesus was born. The, Holy, the Trinity is one. And they're all involved. Today I'm focusing right now on, on the one person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And his purpose and, and, and his functionality in creation and his functionality in the birth of Jesus. At the same point in time, I'm also talking about how no one can have an effective ministry without the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it says in Zechariah, he said, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It's not by might, nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit. We need to practice His presence. But let me say this is something about Jesus and God. And the Father, so many times we say, Holy Spirit, come. Well, he never left. The Holy Spirit's been hovering over this planet before you were ever born, before there was ever a planet. He never left. In these last days, he's been poured out upon all flesh. He's been, he's been here. The, the earth is filled with his glory. He never left. The Holy Spirit is here. He's always been here. It's just you and I have not always acknowledged Him. Have not always recognized Him. Have not always yielded to Him. Am I making sense? Okay. And it's been debate and open through the centuries, through the decades. Many different churches have been in debate and denial and even resistance to the, the, to the subject of the Holy Spirit. There's many groups of people and denominations that have debated the Holy Spirit, have been in denial of the Holy Spirit, who have resisted the Holy Spirit, whether in full or whether in partiality, about the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, many people who have debated or denied and resisted the Holy Spirit 
it's been, it, to them it's been a convenient theology. <coughs> what do I mean by that? First of all, I mean one of the things I mean by that is that they have excuses for living powerless. They have excuses for living powerlessly. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, it exposes their lack of power and their lack of living under the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when we expose the lack of power in our lives that we should be experiencing as a church, as Christians, as believers, it demands a change. And so many people and groups of people and denominations have I tried to change the Word of God to fit their theology instead of changing themselves to line up with the Word of God and the Spirit of God. In other words, instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to change them. See, the Word of God through the years have been twisted to support many groups of people's point of view. Instead of allowing God's point of view to change us. How are we making sense of this? Even in in a, in a political way, in a worldly way, in a in a secular way. I mean, this whole concept, this demonic concept of political correctness, which I believe is is totally antichrist, is totally uh, demonic. But under political correctness today, at least in America, alcoholics are not responsible. There's no, there's no responsibility for people's actions anymore. Depression is just a chemical imbalance. Homosexuality is just genetic. Being fat and lazy, I know they have a term for that, it, people are suing fast food restaurants because of their own fat laziness. And I can go on and on and on and on, and I'm not trying to get, I, don't, I need to get on my bandwagon. But my point I'm trying to make is no one wants to be at fault for their actions or inactions. No one wants to change. No one wants to take fault for the result of their choices or actions or inactions, inactivity. And it's not only going on in the world under political correctness and whatnot. It's also in the church, in many, in many circles. Because many churches, not all, are void of recognizing and acknowledging and yielding to the Holy Spirit. We're not practicing His presence. And because we don't practice His presence, we, give, we blame God for inactivity and powerlessness in the church. And we limit God. And all that blaming God is the same ploy that the devil did with Eve in the garden when she when he tempted Eve with this thought. Did God really say? As if God was holding something back. Church, God's not holding anything back from you. God's not holding anything back from me. God is not holding anything back. He has given us his Holy Spirit. He has given us His Spirit. I'm going to go back to this person in John. He has given us His Spirit to come. 
that we may have power in these last days. Okay. We have many benefits. See, many people want to experience the benefits of the Holy Spirit without the responsibility of practicing His presence. And Jesus said, go back, get back to Acts 1-4, don't start your ministry, in many ways, don't even do your life, until you receive the promise of the Father. Until you receive this power from the Holy Spirit who will help you to be witnesses of me. We'll spend some more time with that, but I just want to echo some things, first of all. You know, um, this whole concept of the whole baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, I just uh, pausing to see what direction I wanted to go with bridging what I was just saying. So I want to put a footnote in here, and I want to, I want to, I want to explain some of that. I, we believe, and we teach in this church, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And like I said, we have, have a lot of information on our website, uh, which we taught, articles and whatnot, if you're interested in more information on that, if you have questions. If you have questions on that, you can ask uh, on our website, you can submit a, submit a uh, you can contact us, you can send us an email, and we would love to dialogue with you. Okay? But, we also teach, and in that, in that context, we teach that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is subsequent to receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's a different experience. It's second to. There's nothing more important than receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Second to that, and subsequent to that, because you can't receive the second without the first. And you can go to heaven... You can, you can go to heaven if you receive Christ and become born again. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit does not change whether you are saved or not saved. But you can't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit until you are saved. Receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior is the most important thing, and you can't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit until you first receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't save you. No, Christ saves you. Hopefully I'm making sense with that. Okay, that's key. And we explain all that through our website and our teachings and whatnot. But some people teach and some people believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receiving Christ are all one and the same thing. No, they're two different things. Yet, at many times I will agree that in the book of Acts, those who received Christ immediately afterwards also received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It, it was two events, but they were so close together, they seemed like one event. And I can, I can also throw in water baptism. In the, in, the, in the book of Acts, people didn't wait to get water baptized, and people didn't wait to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. One of the first examples of that is, I mean, just the fact that the apostles at Pentecost 
receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit after receiving Jesus. One of the examples would be Thomas. Because in Thomas chapter 20, verse 28, Thomas said, this is after the resurrection, he said, he, when he saw the, the holes in his hands and, and, and the side, and Jesus began to eat some bread, and, and, and Thomas, Thomas said he couldn't believe it until he saw it. And he began to explain, my God, Lord, and my God. And according to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, Thomas received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior by he saying, my Lord and my God. Now some people might challenge that, and you can challenge that all you want. But uh, I, I'm going to believe the Word of God. And he received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And in Acts chapter 2, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? We have another example in Acts chapter 8. Philip, excuse me, <coughs> Philip was one of the seven, and we'll talk about that in just a few moments. He was in going to Samaria, he was our evangelist. And after Philip had won many people to the Lord, and uh, before I go there, he probably already read in there before, before Philip, when Philip was in Samaria, he led, as a evangelist, he led many people to the Lord. But he didn't lead those same people he wanted to Christ into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't have all the reasons why he didn't. We just know that he didn't. Okay? But when the apostles, Peter especially, and others, came, and when they had come down, they prayed for them in Samaria, because that's the context, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit was subsequent to receiving Christ that Philip had just ministered to them. And it was two different events. Okay? Whereas he, as yet, he, he had fallen upon none of them. He, the Holy Spirit, had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They received Jesus Christ, they were baptized in his name, and they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. Two different events. Okay. They were born again, but they still needed to receive the Holy Spirit. We also have another occasion, I'm not going to have the pastor on the screen, but Acts chapter 19. We have some of the disciples of Paulus who had not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit, and Paul, just like Peter, prayed. These, these disciples were not even baptized in the name of Jesus yet. They were baptized under John's baptism, which is an Old Testament baptism. And I don't have time to teach all that right now. But when, when Paul found out where they came, were, uh, were coming from, that they not, had, did not have received the Holy Spirit yet, Paul ministered to them. He baptized them in the name of Jesus. You can find all this in Acts chapter 19. And then they received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. What I'm trying to, to point out is the Holy receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit was subsequent to receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Okay, and so now again, I can, I mean I I can expand on a lot of what I'm trying to teach right now real quick because this is not the main scope of my my teaching. I'm trying to teach the presence, practicing His presence. I'm trying to teach on the Holy Spirit. And real quickly, I'm trying to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I expound on this on a lot more teaching and our other teachings on this. But with the baptism of the Holy Spirit also comes our prayer language, which we call speaking in tongues. 
And some people are like, well, I, I want the Holy Spirit, but I don't want the whole tongue thing. My first question to you is, why don't you want to speak in tongues? It's a powerful, awesome gift. Okay? See, receiving the Holy Spirit is like a pair of tennis shoes. It comes with tongues. Okay? Just like tennis shoes have tongues on them. So the Holy Spirit comes with tongues. And tongues is a very powerful thing. It's not something you need to fear. Most of us fear because we have a lack of understanding of what it is and how to function. Some people will teach that tongues is from the devil. Nothing can be further from the truth. Nothing can be more of a mockery of what God has gifted us and promised us uh, in his word through Jesus Christ and whatnot. I mean, even in Luke chapter 11, 13, it says, If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit and the, the tongues... It's not evil. It, God said it's a good gift. How much more will you have a father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Okay. And I, there's a lot I could teach on this. There's a lot of arguments I could counter. And I need, do, need to do a teaching on this in the, in the near future. Okay. But we do teach in this church. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, we do teach in this church. The evidence of speaking in tongues. And we speak in tongues regularly in this church, okay? And so, uh, anyway, I, again, a lot more I can expound on that. But let me just switch gears here again another time. As I'm talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as I'm talking about processing his presence, I'm focused on the Holy Spirit today. In Luke chapter 1, now this is before Jesus was born. This is before John the Baptist was born. But we have the story of Mary and Elizabeth. Okay, now Mary arose and went down into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. <coughs> Excuse me. And then it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe, who was John the Baptist, leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is before the cross. This is before the birth of Jesus. But it's an awesome story how even John the Baptist and Elizabeth were filled with the Holy Spirit as Mary, who, who had Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, conceived in her womb. And she received the Holy Spirit. And then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, Elizabeth talking to Mary, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, but why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. How do you know the kingdom of God is righteous joy, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit? Okay? Blessed is she who believes, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told of her from the Lord. And then Mary goes into this, what we call the Song of Mary in the next several verses. Okay? But one of the things I want to point out here, we're going back to verse 44, as soon as she heard about the sound of Mary's voice, who had Jesus, Emmanuel, in her womb, the babe, who was John the Baptist, leaping in her womb, was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's six. <coughs> I mean, I can use this to, to counter a lot of different things right now, including the fetus in a woman's body. 
that here we have in Luke chapter 1 a six month old fetus being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's awesome. Okay. We can read other scriptures and how the Holy Spirit was prophesied. Okay. How John the Baptist was the greatest of all the prophets. I believe mean, one of the main reasons why he was the greatest because he had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay. But. Anyway, I just found on that. It, but it also says in Isaiah chapter 10, and I'm rat rattling a little bit here because I'm trying to bring a lot of thoughts and prelude to what I really want to get to this morning. Okay? But in Isaiah, it talks about the anointing. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And it says, The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Okay? And whatever... I want to use this as a springboard something here. Is that whatever you're going through, we're talking about practicing his, practicing his presence. We started off this morning by talking about how in, 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 in the Exodus, the journey in the wilderness to the promised land, <coughs> excuse me, how the pillar of God's presence led him by day and the pillar of fire led him by night. His presence led them. And whatever problem they had on the way from the wilderness to the wilderness to the promised land, God's presence met that need. And whatever you're going through, because we're talking about practicing His presence, it's His anointing, His presence, His anointing that will break any yoke in your life. You have the yoke of addiction? Don't break it. You the yoke of, what's a yoke? It's like two oxen being yoked together. The, the stronger one is leading the weaker one. It's, it, it can be a training exercise for oxen to train the older one. It's teaching the other one. And they're, they're really, they, they're yoked together. But some of you are yoked to sickness. And it's anointing of God, his presence, that will break the yoke of sickness. Some of you are yoked to lack, and it's anointing that will break the yoke. Some of you are yoked to addiction and the flesh and the lust of the flesh. It's anointing that will break that yoke. Some of you are yoked to depression and your emotions, anger, and different things. It's anointing that will break that yoke. Okay? And so. See, it's, when we read verses like Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. <coughs> yes, verses like this talk about how Christ is living in us. We have over 300 scriptures in the New Testament that talk about who we are in Christ. And who Christ is in us. But let me say this, folks. We're not living for Jesus. No, Jesus and the Spirit of the living God is living in us and through us for His glory and for His honor and for His purpose. Am I making sense? We're talking about practicing His presence, we're talking about the Spirit of the living God living inside us. But again, I also already mentioned that Jesus 
did not begin his earthly ministry until he received the Holy Spirit. The sinless Son of God. The sinless Son of God could not start his ministry without the Holy Spirit. How much more do we need him so that in half he can live and move and he can have his being? Okay? In Luke chapter 11, beginning verse 9, Jesus said, So I ask, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. What do you need? Ask, knock, seek. And Jesus said, it will be open to you. It will be given to you. Okay? Because everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Are you knocking? Are you asking? Are you seeking? Because it will be open to you. But in that same context, he says, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he not give him, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, we already read this, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Everything that we just read about is in context of Him saying He will give us the Holy Spirit. And did you know that six times in John 14, 15, and 16, when Jesus is talking specifically about the Holy Spirit, he uses this type of language, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. This is an awesome, powerful truth. But this is in context in several places of Scripture. Now seven can include this one, when he's talking about the Holy Spirit, who's going to be given to us. The Holy Spirit is a gift. And we need to practice His presence. It's through the Holy Spirit you can ask. It's through the Holy Spirit you can knock. It's through the Holy Spirit you can seek. And you will receive. And you will find. And it will be open to you. You need to ask. And you need to receive. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And in talking about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16, I'm going to keep going to some of these scriptures. When John, we'll look at John 14. And Jesus said, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper. We already have Jesus. We already have the Father. But now we have another helper. And we spent many times talking the last few weeks about the point that he may abide with you. I spent a lot of time last week talking about abiding in him. And his word abiding in us. And this Holy Spirit, this helper, will abide with us forever. He's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he, the spirit of the living God, dwells with you and will be in you. Wherever you go, he goes. He's a spirit, so no one, there's no kingdom, there's no nothing in the flesh that can keep the Holy Spirit out. If you go to jail, he's going with you. If you go to the hospital, he's going with you. There's no, nowhere 
globe. They can kick the Bibles out of our, 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 our country. They can do all kinds of stuff to do it. But they can't take the Holy Spirit out because the Holy Spirit is within us. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about practicing His presence. He's there. He's with you. He's abiding with you. He's dwelling with you if you receive them. But some of you have received him. Some of you have even received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you don't acknowledge him hardly ever at all. You have the same power to raise Christ from the dead. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. To do whatever you need, whatever you ask, whatever you seek, whatever you find, whatever you knock. And most of you don't even pay attention to him. Some of you, it's been a long time since you heard a message about the Holy Spirit. Some of you have never. Some of you have debated and denied him. And, 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 and um, I'm thinking of the word, but you just you resisted him. And, you, and you, it's like Stephen, who's a father forgiven, but they don't know what they do. Okay? Now, in John 7... On the last day, that, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture says, <coughs> I love this, out of his heart, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the heart in this series, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. But the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus said, if you believe in me, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like an artesian well. It just keeps flowing over and over. It comes from within. It doesn't come from without. It's not based on your feelings. It's not based on what's going on in the world. It's not based on circumstances. It's not based on the government. It's not based on anything natural. It's not based on anything physical. It's coming from the heart. It's coming from within. We'll flow rivers of living water. It's not dead water. It's living. And we get a picture of this living water in Ezekiel. Wherever the river flows, the trees come to life. The fish come alive. Everything is restored. It's an awesome picture. Okay, and I want to I want to piggyback on this river of living water just for a moment, and add some scriptures to this river of living water. In John four fourteen, remember again in John fourteen fifteen to sixteen, and we also just read one. Okay, in Luke, <coughs> Luke eleven. If you ask anything in my name, I will do that. Because whatever you ask, whatever you need, whatever you need is in the river. The river is flowing. Okay? Whatever you need. But also with that, because he said, I was hard will flow. Rivers of living water. Okay? Hope you follow me. But in John 6 35, he said, and even in context that he just read, if anyone who comes to me will never hunger, they will never thirst. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty in any area of your life? Sickness, finances, need. What, is there anything that you're hungry for?
for? Is there anything that you're thirsty for? Come to him. He's the bread of life. He's the water of life. There's a river flowing from within if you believe Jesus according to the scriptures. Because he said, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. He said this in Isaiah 58. He's talking about fasting. He said, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul and drought and strengthen your bones and you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. I love this. And this paints the picture to me of the Holy Spirit who is our guide. That we, folks, we should be like a water garden. I don't care how dry the world is. I don't care how dry your finances are. I don't care how dry different things are going on. We should be like a water garden. We should be like the ocean where there's a spring of living water flowing out of us. People don't know where it comes from, but we know where it's going. Okay? Again, we have the fruit of the Spirit. Which is love, joy, peace, gladness, every kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against that same there is no law. It's the fruit of the spirit. Okay, it's like our artesian well. These things should just be flowing out of us. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-temperance, self-control, love, joy should just be flowing out of us like an artesian well. We see these things don't need to be pumped out of us. Like some old-fashioned well is like an artesian well. These things should be flowing out of us with life. But why is that? Why is it not happening? Why do we not experience this and this and this on a regular basis? Why are we not experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis? Okay? Because I think a lot of us have not removed in our minds. See, to be carnally, naturally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. <coughs> I spent a lot of time on this in the last several weeks and series. Most of us are so naturally minded. We have nothing but death around us. Because carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life, peace, Life should be flowing out of us. Because not us who live, it's Christ who lives in us. The Spirit of the living God is on the inside of us. Okay? But we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need to not be conformed to this world. We need to stop being conformed to be naturally minded. Stop being conformed to this world. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. What's the renewing of our minds? The spiritual mind. Okay? Because when we are spiritually minded by renewing our minds, and our mind is staying, I get a little ahead of myself, our mind is stayed upon Him, we'll have perfect peace. Because life, life and peace comes from a spiritual mindedness. And when our minds, excuse me for jumping around, is stayed upon Him, there's that life, there's that peace that just flowing, this perfect peace. Okay? And as we think, so are we. How are you thinking? Are you thinking <coughs> naturally? Then you're dead. Are you thinking spiritually? You got life and peace flowing out of you. Am 
Am I making sense? Okay? We need to get to a place where our mind is so stayed upon Him, we're so spiritually minded, that life of peace is not being pumped out of it, it's just flowing. The life of God, the peace of God. Okay? And again, going back to Acts chapter 2, where the day of Pentecost, where the church was born, where the Holy Spirit was poured out, and it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues and fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is so powerful. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out, and when you receive the Holy Spirit in a like fashion, again, I wish I had more time to develop this. It's worth teaching. Jesus said in John 14, I will pray to the Father, and, the, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. See, this whole experience is not just a one-time thing that happened at Pentecost. This is not just a one-time thing that happened when you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But this is something that he, he will abide with you forever. We're talking about practicing his presence. And you have received the baptism. You've been emerged into the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, 10 verses later, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. All things. He'll teach you. He's not just in you to give you Holy Spirit goosebumps. He's there to teach you. Okay? He's helped to bring to your remembrance all the things that Jesus has said. The Holy Spirit is there not to just make you feel good and look good. And the Holy Spirit is there to teach you. He's there to help you, to teach you, to remind you of everything that Jesus has said. He goes on to say in chapter 15, and the helper comes, I will send to you the Father of the Spirit of truth, who proceeds with the Father, he will testify of me. The Holy Spirit will do the one number one thing he's going to do while he's in you, while you're baptized in him, is to testify of Jesus. But I'm going through the sickness. Jesus is your healer. I, I'm having a financial challenge. Jesus is your provider. I'm worried about this. Jesus is your peace. Whatever you need, he's going to testify of Jesus. Your righteousness, your banner, your healer, your provider. Whatever you need, the Holy Spirit is going to help you, teach you, remind you, and testify of Jesus. That's power. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. He goes on to say it in chapter 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. We just read that. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. We read that. Jesus said it's more important that I go away than the Holy Spirit will come. Jesus is saying it's more beneficial that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit come and you be baptized, than you would be if you saw Jesus face to face on this planet until Jesus comes. And when He has come, the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world of sin 
and of righteousness and of judgment. We're coming up, hopefully. Here we go. Okay, let's read that again. This last part. And when he, uh, he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because I, they do not believe in me. So he's convicting the world because they don't believe in Jesus. Of righteousness because I go to the Father. And, uh, and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Okay? Now, I don't have time to expand on all that right now. I still have many things to tell you. But you cannot better them now. However, when he, the spirit of the truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So a lot of you are praying for wisdom. You're praying for wisdom, but the Holy Spirit is going to be your guide, and he's going to tell you things to come. If you're practicing his presence, if I'm practicing his presence, let me, let me put me in the hot seat. Then I don't need to threat and sweat. I know that Jesus, the Holy Spirit is my guide, and whatever I need to know, he's going to tell me the things to come. You ever see Jesus in his earthly ministry? What are we going to do next? Jesus didn't do anything he didn't see the Father doing. He didn't do anything. He spent nights in prayer at times. He didn't, I don't think he did it all the time. I think he got some sleep once in a while. And not just in the back of a boat. Okay? But the Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own accord. Jesus didn't speak on his own accord. He only did and saw and spoke what he saw the Father do. The Holy Spirit does the same likewise. The Holy Spirit, he hovered over the earth. He didn't create light until God said. He only spoke when he heard God speak. He only performed and, and, and brought to fruition what God said. And if you, and see, if we will practice his presence and we will walk with the Spirit of God, we will always know what to do, when to do it, how 
to do it, why to do it, whatever we need to know, but we need to do, know what to do. We should never be wondering, I don't know what God's called me to do. No! That's not what this is saying. It's saying, He will be your guide. If you're wondering what God's called you to do, and you're asking Him to do something, you need to do what the last thing He told you until He told you to do something new. He's the pillar of cloud by day, and He's the pillar of fire by night. If the cloud's not moving, why are you? And if you can't see the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire, you laugh because He didn't. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to be our guide, our helper, and knowing what to do. And if he hasn't told you a thing to do, don't make it up to try to impress yourselves. If he hasn't told you something new, if he hasn't told you something different, okay, he hasn't brought you in on the conference call yet. Okay? And be okay with that. The Holy Spirit only does what the Father says. The Jesus only did what the Father said. And are you thinking that you have some higher pecking order than they do? I need to get out of that bandwagon, but hopefully you get my point. We just need to respond to the Holy Spirit. But I know also, I do know about this about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will, will be a risk taker. He will cause you to do something that where you need to, you better be trusting God. Hopefully I'm making sense. Where are we at? Okay. Verse 14. And he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I love that. The Holy Spirit will take what is Jesus and he will declare it to you. Whatever is, a, whatever is Jesus's, the Holy Spirit will declare it to you. Do you understand that? Everything that is Jesus, the Holy Spirit will take it to you and that's glorifying Jesus. That's real deep if you understand what he's saying there. Okay? See, we will see, see power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and we will be witnesses of Jesus. This is so powerful. I hope you guys are getting this. I don't know if I'm explaining it uh, clearly as I want to. But folks, what I'm trying to teach is right here is that we're supposed to be impacting the world. And in, in order to impact the world, we, we need the full package of what Jesus promised through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We need to allow His presence to lead us by day and by night. Not in the Old Testament fashion, but in the New Testament fashion, but the Holy Spirit not being in the cloud, of, cloud by day or fire by night, but being in us. Being baptized in Him. In the manifested presence of God. See, we get in trouble because 
We walk by faith and not by sight. Some of us want to see the cloud. And we don't walk that way anymore. We walk by faith. Not by sight. We don't need to see something. We need to believe something. If we receive the Holy Spirit, He's there. And you need to practice His presence. Let Him be your guide whether you ever see something or not. We walk by faith. We walk by sight. You know, in, in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant was captured. And David was bringing it back home. They were bringing it home in a way that God instructed them not to bring it home on a cart. And they began to stumble, and one of his men began to stabilize the ark so it wouldn't fall. And he was struck dead because the law said if you touch it in that manner, you'll die. David was angry with God that he didn't have some understanding that the man wasn't trying to disobey God. He was just trying to stabilize the ark from falling down and being damaged. And David was so grumpy about it, he put the Ark of the Covenant in a man's house called Obed. And while the Ark, which represents God's presence, was in Obed's house, he and his family were blessed. They were blessed physically, they were blessed financially, they were blessed in every which way. Obed was outside the castle. He lived outside the city gates. And his house was again blessed off their socks. Just because God's presence was there in the manifest way. And when David finally took God news that a best house was being blessed because the Ark of the Covenant was there, David sent for it and had it back, brought it back into the temple where it was supposed to be. I don't know if I'm making sense this morning. I feel like I'm going over the map in some ways. But when we're talking about processing his presence. Jesus said a lot about the Holy Spirit that would be poured out in these last days. And there's a relationship, there's a friendship that we can have with the Holy Spirit that we need to be experiencing. And this practicing his presence with the Holy Spirit is not just something we're supposed to visit once in a while during our devotions and during church or other events. I'm not saying we don't have practice as presence then. The point I'm trying to make is we're supposed to live in the Spirit. It's supposed to be a lifestyle which includes Sunday, which includes our devotions, which includes special events. But we are supposed to live in the Spirit. We're supposed to have our life, our entire life. It's in Him that we live and we move and we have our being. We're supposed to live, we're supposed to walk in the Spirit. We don't check out. 
It's not a check-in, check-out. It's not, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit's already there. You are the one that checked out. He didn't check out. It says that he would abide, he would abide with you forever. Forever does not have an expiration to it. It's forever. See, a lot of us are comfortable with the logical, logic of the mind, where if we can figure it out logically. I can be one of those persons where I like things that just make logical sense. Some of us, we love rehearsing the memories of the past. I'm not talking about the good ones. Some of us feed out the stimuli of the world. Some of us, we love our own emotions. We love the things that we can feel and get emotional about. Whether even, even that means being angry. Some of us are so angry at the world, we're so angry at the government, that all we breathe and talk about day in and day out on Facebook and other places is nothing but anger. And I'm not, I'm not endorsing what's going on in the world in many ways. But it's not going to be the only thing I talk about. I am not going to magnify, I'm not going to magnify and exalt the, the crowd of this world. <laughs> Pardon my language, but I'm just not going I'm not going I'm not going to magnify that. There's a place to speak up. But the thing I am going to magnify, I'm going to magnify Jesus. See, my, one of the points I'm trying to make here this morning is, are we living in the Spirit? Are we hearing the Spirit of God? Because the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. Today, not tomorrow, not yesterday, <coughs> today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Because we were talking about, in this series, about our hearts becoming darkened. Because we don't glorify God as God, we're not faithful. So we have vain imaginations and our hearts become dark. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Ah, then there's a rebellion. What's the rebellion? Well, Jesus said, in context of Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, he says, it was unbelief that kept me going out of the promised land. The just shall live by faith. Unbelief. Unbelief was the one singular sin that kept them out of the promised land. And God calls it rebellion. And some of us are not walking by faith. The just shall live by his faith. And that's rebellion if we're not doing that. We got quiet in this Presbyterian church. See, much ministry today, and I can expand, I can expand a lot more on this. I can spend a lot of what I'm teaching this morning. But a lot of ministry today is ministering from the soul to the soul. We rely on our feelings. 
We are walking by sight, not by faith. Much prayer day comes from the emotions. Being naturally minded, which is death. Church, our, our minds need not to be conformed to this world, but need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need to be spiritually minded. See, it's what the heart man believes unto righteousness. And a lot of our hearts have become darkened because we have stopped glorifying God as God. We have stopped being thankful. Our imaginations have become vain. And we're not believing unto righteousness. As we should. Because whatever we're going through, financial, physical, relational, or not, it all stems back to are we glorifying God as God and being thankful? We're not being thankful for the problem, but in spite of the problem, our focus is not on magnifying the problem. Our Fucking just glorifying God as God. No matter what Jesus faced, the feeding the multitudes, paying Peter's taxes, whatever sickness he came, Jesus did not magnify the problem. He didn't go, oh my gosh, I didn't know they were so hungry. There's so many of them who have leprosy, oh my. It might dim the lights in heaven. Jesus was not marveled at the wickedness of this world. And Rome was very wicked. And the religious leaders were worse. But Jesus glorified God and healed the sick. He raised the dead. He walked on water. He fed the multitudes. He did exploits by the power of the Holy Spirit that he was baptized into. We, it's on the heart we believe. And I don't care what we're going through. Nothing I don't care. But it's, I don't, whatever you're going through, Jesus is the answer. And whatever you're going through, I am going to believe God for righteousness in that situation. I can expand on this, and, and soon I'm going to be teaching on righteousness again, which is our core teaching in this church. It's been a while, and I feel, I'm feeling glad I need to teach on that again. Okay, so it's coming soon. But righteousness, when we understand righteousness, I can tell the sickness to go. I can tell the lack to go in Jesus' name. It gives us authority. Because I'm going to believe God and the gift of righteousness. I'm not going to believe that this problem, this sickness, this lack, this whatever is going to overtake us. Not on my watch. Again, 
Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own authority, but he will do whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. True ministry, true life, must be born of the Spirit of God. Our spirit man needs to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we need to hear God. How do we hear God? We hear God by being in His Word. We hear God by spending time with Jesus. We hear God by spending time with God. We hear God by spending time with the Holy Spirit who brings the scriptures to our remembrance, who tells us of things to come, who guides us. He's our guide. He's our teacher. He brings the scriptures to remembrance. You don't know how to pray? That's why I love praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. Because instead of me praying for my soul, I'm praying for my spirit, man, who's been born again, who knows all things. And I can pray perfect prayers. We need to, folks, we need to be a people. We are in so relationship with God. We are so God-dependent. We won't do anything without it. It's better than the American Express card. Don't leave home without it. You don't leave home. You don't even get up. You don't even go to bed without the Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit. See, the Spirit of God will stir us up to pray in true faith. The Spirit of God, will, if we need it, will give us words of knowledge, will give us words of wisdom, so that we know what to say, we know what to do, we know what's going on. The Spirit of God has, will give us gifts of healings if we need it. He will give us gifts of miracles if we need it. Just like the Spirit of God was brooding over the earth, waiting for God to say, let there be light, the Holy Spirit is brooding over us who have been baptized in His name and say, in the name of Jesus, be here. And water come out of a rock, whatever we need to do, but to do a miracle, to do gifts of healing, to do gifts of miracle, yes, healing is part of the atonement, yes, healing is ours for the ministry of the cross. <coughs> but the Holy Spirit also gave us gifts. And some of those gifts are words of knowledge, words of wisdom, gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, gifts of faith. The person you're praying for doesn't have faith. Well, we have the gift of faith. We have the gift of miracles. We have the gift of healing. I think there's a better way to the atonement of the cross, but Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is brooding over us like a hen over an egg, waiting for us to speak the wonderful works of God and say in the name of Jesus, receive your miracle, receive your healing. We're waiting for God. God is waiting for us to speak his word in the power of the Holy Spirit. But many of our hearts Many of our lives are overwhelmed, distracted by a superficial stimuli of the world. 
And if that's the case, we will struggle to live by the Spirit from our spirits. See, most people are just so distracted and so overwhelmed by this world that they're frustrated why God's not answering the prayers. And God is frustrated in a sense. Why are we not responding to the Holy Spirit who God has given us? Jesus said we can't do any of these things that we're asking God to do. See, God told us to do the what? Most of, the, our, most of our prayer requests are us praying for God to do something he told us to do. And God said we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. I want to say that again. Most of our prayers are asking God to do something he told us to do. And we, he told us we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Who's there's the problem? And we wonder why we're frustrated. We're blaming God instead of responding to the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says, These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which, which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. <coughs> but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. There's a lot here, I don't have time to get, go into all this. But most of us are living natural. Because we're living natural, because we are, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Many of us are not spiritually discerned to receive what God has taught us by His Spirit. Okay? Most of us are living so natural that we can't even hear the Spirit of God, we can't even discern Him. And we miss the promises of God. And when the promises of God are not manifest, we blame God. When God told us he's teaching us by the Holy Spirit, but we are so far disconnected from the Holy Spirit, he's given us the answers. He's answering our prayers, but we can't even discern it. He said, first fire, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. I put these verses out of order on context. <laughs> because this follows this. He said, we, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God. The Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And yet, most of us are spiritually discerned, not being taught. <coughs> me. The Holy Spirit will teach us what we have been freely given by God. But most of us are so spiritually discerned, we don't even know what we've been freely already given. We're asking God to answer our prayers when we have already been given the answer before we even asked the need. The answer was already there before we had the need, but we're still spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit, who's our teacher, because he definitely said he'll teach us all things, 
But the Holy Spirit, who's a teacher, freely gives us the revelation where we don't have to beg God. We just have to receive it. See, the Holy Spirit is a willing teacher. That's his job description. That's who he is. That's his nature. We talk a lot about the nature of Jesus and the nature of, uh, of God. But one of the natures of the Holy Spirit is that he's a teacher. He can't do anything but teach. The Holy Spirit is our teacher, but we need to show up for class. Okay? He's our teacher. He'll help. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things, bring to your remembrance all that God Jesus has said. Okay? The Helper, the Holy Spirit, He will testify to Jesus. He will guide you in all truth. He will tell you things to come. But some of us, all of us, according to me, we need to learn how to be still and know that He is God because one of the key verses that we did this spring before this whole series is that we glorify God as God. But we need to be still and know that He is God. <coughs> and he prefaced all this in Corinthians by saying, For what man knows the things of, God, um, things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the only one who knows the things of God. And He's your teacher to teach you what has been freely given to you by God. But if you don't show up for class, you will never know what you already have. And you're begging God to get it when He's already given to you. What do you do? How do you respond? When you've already given someone something, and now they're sitting there begging you for what you've already given them, how do you respond to that? I call it silence. Being so dumbfounded that I already gave you something that you're begging me not to give you that I already gave you. See, we become so passive in our prayer lives. We pray and we walk away. If we will spend... We're talking about passages in his presence. I'm wrapping up and closing. But we become so passive in our prayer lives. If we would spend time processing his presence, even if we didn't understand everything in our teaching, but we spend time processing his presence, the Holy Spirit, our teacher, would teach you everything I'm trying to teach you now, but even do a better job of it. See, in Acts chapter 6, the apostles wanted to assign seven deacons to the church. And other qualifications for these deacons and whatnot. He says, therefore, seek out among you seven men of good reputation and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We may point them over this business. The apostles were looking for the seven. And one of the qualifications they had a 
job, they had all the job, they had to have a good reputation, they had to be men of wisdom. Most of us can understand that. But if you're going to hire somebody for your business, you want someone who has a good reputation and they have wisdom. The third qualification that was there, they had to be full of the Holy Spirit. And among those was Stephen and Philip and others. Okay. I have this verse, let us read it. Thus says to the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you the prophets. How many of God teaches you the prophet? Those against prosperity. Anyway, I can't help. Who teaches you to profit? Who leads you by the way you should go? The Holy Spirit, the Lord your God, is going to lead you and guide you. And if we're not full of the Holy Spirit, then we're going to have a hard time being led in the way that we should go for the profit of all. Okay? See, so many of us are so busy on the outside. It's okay to be busy on the outside to a certain level. We need to be about our Father's business. We need to be occupied. There's stuff to do. Jesus gave us work to do. God gave Adam to do even before the fall. Okay? But we need to be so, even though we might be busy on the outside, we need to be so restful on the inside. Because rest is where we get spirit-directed activity. Rest is where we get spirit-directed activity. Because we are really co-laborers with God. Okay. And we need to be so, he says in Matthew 11, Come be all your labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, which is you learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We need to be so yoked to Jesus. We need to be so yoked to the Holy Spirit. That's easy, it's light, it's rest for our souls. How many know if we're being yoked to oxygen, we're going to be working? Because we're yoked to Jesus. We'll find rest for ourselves. We won't be bent out of shape. We won't be frazzled. We won't be falling apart. We'll be yoked to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus. We, many of us are laboring, but we're doing it by ourselves. We have a commission to do. We have a ministry to do. We have a family to raise. We have a lot to do as a member of society. We have businesses to run. We have jobs to do. We have parenting. We have all kinds of different things to do. But we need to do it being yoked to Jesus, being yoked to the Holy Spirit, that we can not only find rest for our souls, but His burden is easy and it's light. Why? Because if you're yoked to an oxen, it's the older oxygen that you're yoked to is doing most of the work. If I understand that right. And we need to be so yoked to him, he's the one doing the work. But we're yoked to him, he's not doing it without us. And we're not doing it without him, we're yoked together. God wants to be yoked to us. The Holy Spirit wants to be yoked to us. 
so that we do exploits in his name, not absent, not without him, and not not without him in the sense that we're doing it without him, and not in the not without him in the sense that he's not going to do it without us. You understand that? God's not going to work without you. Without his people. Without people. God has always worked young with people. But we don't need to go get ahead of God. We don't need to be behind God. We don't need to be on the sidelines and like watch God do all the work. No, we are yoked to him. But it's easy, it's light. It's rest. And we learn from him in the process. Romans 8, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Again, I can spend a lot on this. But the, the Spirit of God is those who are led by the Spirit of God. These are the children of God. Are you being led by the Spirit of God? Being yoked to Him? Down and be your helper, your teacher? We're talking about practicing His words. But some of us we are so tethered. We're so tethered to this world. We're so tethered and playing it safe. We're so tethered to many things. Our families, our jobs, our business, and different things. We're so tethered that we are not allowing God to steer our ships to their desired haven. I wish I had time to expand on that thought more. But some of you need to be yoked to Jesus and the Spirit of God. Not tethered to the pole or to the dock, but yoked to Jesus and allowing the Spirit of God and Jesus to flow through you to do exploits and to lead you and your family, your needs, your church, and to all the things God has for you. You need to hear his voice. You need to be still and know that he's God. Glorify God as God, being thankful, so that your imaginations are good and that your heart is full of light. We're talking about, and I hope that makes sense, we're talking about practicing his presence. And I'm the spirit of God to be God in our lives. There's so much more I want to expand on this. I hope to expand on this. I'm going to start a new teaching series next week. Talking about everything is in the seed. We talked about the seed of God's word and the power of seeds. Just the power of seeds in general in a lot of ways. I'm not going to take seeds from a good point of view. But I'm also going to take seeds from a negative, a bad point of view, and the power of the, power of the seeds. And so the kingdom of God is like a seed. Parable of the sower is about seed. But how many of there can also be negative seeds in our lives that have been sprouted? No, they need to be plucked out. They need to be pulled out. Because they're seeds and they're powerful. 
if we water those seeds, whatever seed we're watering, whatever we're watering in our garden is what's growing in our garden. It's what the harvest that we're manifesting. And some of us, we don't like our harvest. Well, that means we need to change our seeds. And so we need to, anyway, we're going to benefit from that. But I hope you got stuff from this message. I, I wish I could expand a lot more on what I tried to teach this morning. But we need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit to be our guide and our teacher. And we can do it in his name. Jesus said we couldn't do the things that he told us to do without the Holy Spirit. And if you're trying to do what God's told you to do without the Holy Spirit, you're a fool. I say that love, but you're a fool. And that's not how he told you to do it. That's not how he did it. And And if you think it's working, it's not. Yeah. Anyway, God bless you. In your, his name will give you glory. Amen.